Samuel Shaibu, and I'm documenting my journey from immigrant professional to entrepreneur and highlighting the lessons I have learned from the works of the coaches and mentors who are guiding me. Each week, you will get to hear me share steps I'm taking to build my business, as well as conversations with other successful and like-minded individuals. I bring on these leaders and business owners to tell their stories of success and failure so we can take and apply the lessons they have learned over the years. If you are an internationally trained professional just like me, or an entrepreneur in the early stages of your business, or maybe you are still in your 9 to 5 and probably considering starting your own business and looking for guidance from some of the brightest minds on how to create a lifestyle of freedom, absolute control and fulfillment in life and business, then this is for you. Welcome to the Lead Podcast. This is the League of Icons. Mind your mind. Feed your focus and play by a different set of rules. Very, very honored and pleased that you've made our time today to, to speak with us. So, so for those that don't know you, we'd just like for you to give us like the 10,000 feet summary of who you are and what you do. Great. My name is Charles Osuji. I'm the seventh child out of eight kids. Wow. Came to Canada in 2011. I was sponsored by my brother, um, Joseph Osuji. He's um, a nursing professor. Challenged the exams, did all kinds of survival work hmm. you can think of. You know, slept <laughs> only two nights in a week. And wow. eventually, articled in a law firm that I currently own. So that is my story. Absolutely amazing. I went back and I did some research. And I, in fact, I have a timeline drawn, drawn here in front of me. Right. You came to Canada in the early part of the 20s. I, I see from the timeline I have in front of me, in less than three years, you became a managing partner. How did, how did this happen? Right. You wanted to know if the juju half off <laughs> Well, uh, a lot of factors, right? Um, including uh, the fact that I had a lot of good people uh, mm-hmm. around me. So I don't know how much details you want at the very beginning, or do you want a high-level um, summary of you know what I did differently? What exactly? So you know, we have we have lots of people listening, um, mostly yeah. immigrants, largely immigrants, and then of course small business owners. And the the meat I'm trying to get to here is. You went into this law firm as an art clean student. You were not the first art clean student in that law firm. But but what was your mindset the day you stepped into that law firm? What was going through your mind? Right. So I'll talk a little bit about my journey before that point in history. Um, the journey was typical of any immigrant's journey. You come to a new country. You have been... You've lost all of the comfort, right? Your home country has afforded you, including connections, um, family, and, and all of that. Most importantly for professionals, right? You come to a new country, and they're telling you that you have to go through a series of exams mm. for, the, this, for this new home to even consider your qualifications, right? So all of your past glories they wouldn't really matter. You have mm. to start all over to build a, a network for yourself and your reputation and credibility as well. So I was facing all of those challenges. Uh, at the very beginning, my focus was just to survive, you know. 
I do have family members here, but I, I told them I'm only going to stay with them for a month and I'm going to be on my own because I wanted to challenge myself. And that's exactly what I did. I tried my hands on all kinds of work. Um, there was a time I was working three jobs at a time, morning, afternoon, night, you know. Um, I was surviving on Red Bull. Yeah, at some point, Red Bull kind of hit, <laughs> hit its limit. <laughs> I had an interview, a podcast a few days ago, and I was telling them how it was so bad that I attended an interview because I had not slept for so many days. Hmm. Um, I slept up in front of the interviewer. Are you serious? I really slept up. <laughs> <laughs> and then I attended the interview. Apparently. Wow. So, you know, the, the hustle was real. Um, but the plan was to hustle for you know three, four, five months, mm. save up some money, and then begin the process of licensing as a lawyer in, in Calgary. And that was exactly what I did. I hustled for a few months, stayed home, challenged the exams. The very first several of the exams is called NCA. Mm -hmm. um, challenged those exams, and then I started looking for articles. I applied to several places. Nobody was calling me back. In fact, I applied to volunteer in many places. And I didn't even get any, an acknowledgement of my application. Mm. You know, and, and then fortunately for me, I met someone that knows someone that knows someone that connected me to uh, mm. Mr. Smith, who was my former principal. At the time, Mr. Smith was looking for, you know, one student. Um, he had interviewed another student and had decided to take her on. But by the time he made the decision, he had already promised me a meeting. So he wanted to kind of check the box. So we met and he decided to do something crazy, take on two students at, at the same time. At the same time. And that was how he took me on. At the time, all I wanted to, all I cared about was learning, you know. I didn't care about whether he was going to pay me. In fact, I was ready for, to, to article without being paid because I didn't care about the money part. I saved some money at some point at that time. I cared about experience. I cared about um, building confidence. I cared about, you know, beginning afresh to create and develop professional networks in, in, in Calgary and understanding how the profession works, um, you know, in, in the country. And that is one thing about being, you know, focused on the right things and then everything kind of goes with it. So that was my mindset to come here to learn. The idea of owning the firm never crossed my mind. The idea of um, you know running the practice and all of that happened down the road. But at the very beginning, all I cared about was just learning and broadening my network. Hmm. Amazing. Let me go back to when you first arrived. You gave yourself. You told your siblings, I think they were, that you were just going to stay one month and then you're going to you're going to go on your own. You see, I have read, I have been a student of, of, um, of leadership for, for almost half my life. And I know that in the course of, you know, studying the lives of great men, one of the victories they had, they had in, the, uh, in the course of their journey was the victory over themselves. It's literally self-discipline. Okay. And I know that you cannot, you can build a great organization, but unless the man in charge is willing to pay the price for the growth, right. there's absolutely nothing that can be achieved. Absolutely. So in the course of your journey, what would you describe as some of the habits that you imbibed in the course of self-discipline that set you on this journey? Well, I'll go back to my family. My dad was a principal, so that, I, don't, I don't need to go further than that. Um, and then at age seven, I 
started living with one of my brothers, he's the Reverend Father, Reverend Father Tony Suji. I started living with him. He's a Catholic priest. I had two options as as young as seven. I may have said this in one of my interviews. I I was either sleeping or I was reading hmm. at age seven. It was much later in life I caught up on the cartoons and, and the TVs. <laughs> <laughs> in a, at the very beginning, it was a it was a military regime, right? Hmm. And at that point, I, I was able to learn, you know, the, the, the law of um, deferred gratification and staying focused on the goal and then getting that done and then moving on to the next. I remember when I took over the firm, I told myself I wasn't going to pay myself a salary for one year. And I never paid myself a dime for one year. Wow. Not that I didn't need money, not that the office wasn't making money, but I wanted to check the box that for one year I wouldn't pay myself. In other words, I am the least important person in this organization. My staff, my clients, the office, the business, they all come first before me. And I needed to get into my scores, the force of practice or the force of running the firm. And I did that and that has to an extent informed my perspective in terms of decision making, right? You know, my decisions are driven by the best interest of the client, best interest of my staff, best interest of the business. They're my best interest in that order, right? So discipline is everything. Um, many people, they come here and they try their hands on something. It doesn't work in three months. They say, no, that's not for them. Mm. Move on to the next. It doesn't work. That's not for them. They move on to the next. But at the end of the day, with focus and they say what you focus on is time. So you focus on one thing and you dedicate your time learning it. Eventually, expansion becomes a natural consequence. Listening to you now, I know that, um, I mean, you have achieved some certain level of success. It's, it, that's no, that's no, no longer news. If you sit down with most graduates and you ask them, can you name the five senses? Without thinking, they'll, they'll be able to resolve out. And what I learned from the book, Think and Grow Rich, that the secret of success is people being able to, to have mastered their intellectual faculties to certain degrees that they're able to determine what they want and go, off, go after it to acquire. And one of those things is imagination and perspective. For me, the major thing, because I know that one of the biggest challenges for immigrants in, in this part is their mindset. You know, like you said, somebody puts his hand on something and after a couple of months, he's, he's not working out, he just, he just walks away. But you walked into that, into that firm, you said, with, with the hunger to learn. But you must have surpassed the imagination of your principal at the time. What were some of the challenges you faced in those early days when you started at, at this law firm? Because, I, I mean, I know my wife is a lawyer and I know some of these challenges. So I want to be able to hear you tell us. It's, it's a different thing when people hear, read your stories on. I've, I've listened to a lot of your interviews. I've read a lot of them. But I want to go to the think, your mindset, the processes, the things that were going through your mind at the time and how you were able to set your goal before you, you know, put behind you the challenges, remain focused in the, in the, in the, in the face of all of these circumstances and turn out to be the man that you are today. Right. Good question. Um, I struggled with confidence, and this is typical of many newly immigrated professionals, okay? Regardless of whether you're the star in your class or whether you, you are the star in courts or in practice, wherever you're coming from, you come here, you come here, you know, proverbially naked, right? In the sense that you've lost all of those past glories. 
and you start from the scratch to build your confidence. So I had to work on my confidence. Number one, you have an accent. Number two, <laughs> you are an immigrant. Number three, you probably didn't go to school here. Number four, you don't have the tribal professional network. Number five, the color of your skin. You just have all of these boxes checked up against you, right? And then you start thinking maybe the, your principal would prefer someone that is locally trained. Maybe your principal would prefer someone that looks like him or, or, or speaks like him or has the color of his skin. All of that is going through your mind on a daily basis, right? You're given an assignment. Instead of looking the assignment as just an assignment, you're thinking maybe this is a test of <laughs> <laughs> maybe oh, your answers or the, the, the demand you to pass this test oh, for you goodness. to get to the so but guess what? This is what fires us on. Hmm. This is why if we are given the slightest opportunity, if, if the door is just cracked open just a little, hmm. we shine and we outshine. Right? Because we are dealing with all of this on a daily basis, and you you end up being in this state of this perpetual discomfort. Mm. And when in this state of perpetual discomfort, complacency doesn't is not an option anymore, mm. right? If you're actually right to read ten pages, you read twenty pages. I remember when I was preparing for my NCA exam, I read the textbooks like five times. You know, others could read once, others could read maybe just the notes but i thought that i needed to go above and beyond because of everything going on um, at the back of my at the back of my, um, mm. my head so at the end of the day all of that became the fire that propelled me uh, including the fact that i was now going through growth and that is one thing about success success is not sustainable if you did not go through the, the growth process. Absolutely. Right. So I was dedicating my time learning. I spent a lot of time. In fact, I said I'm calling from the office, still six, six days a week, seven days a week of hustle mm. because I haven't got to where I'm, I'm looking. Absolutely. Going. That's not my destination Absolutely. yet. And for me to get there, I need to be able to have the capacity to sustain the growth. And this is me building that capacity. So exactly what I did at the very beginning, spending a lot of time going above and beyond to ensure that those challenges overcome. You know, the, the reason why I laughed when you started talking, <laughs> you see, so this is why I, I like to share share some of these stories because in the course of sharing your stories, it builds connection. There'll be somebody listening to you that at different points, there'll be that point of connection to say, oh, so it wasn't just only me feeling this way. Because right. it's, when, I first, when I first arrived in this country, Without anybody asking me, any conversation I got involved, I, the first thing I'll say is I really I just recently arrived because in the back of my mind, right. this same thing, this same boxes you listed was always there. Okay, of course, no, I have an accent. I'm black. I'm not from here. I, I probably still act differently. So before you even ask me, I would have told you, oh, I it just yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, before you before any conversation, any networking, before you ask me, I would have volunteered that, oh, I just I just arrived. Because I wanted, I still was not feeling comfortable in the fact that I was I was living in this society you know I mean you've been highly recognized both individually and an, as, as an organization I also understand that um, being nominated as um, one of the top 25 most influential Canadian lawyers is also is also a national is a national recognition a national, yes. and I'm told that no immigrant has actually attained that fit before that's amazing 
Right, right. That's amazing. These things don't happen by chance. And they seem to be happening with you almost every week or almost every other month. I just, I went to my timeline and a couple of days ago, you were, I saw your post like 2021 just started and your walls are, <laughs> I'm like, what is this man doing? It's not right. a fluke. So right. as, as the leader of this, of this firm that you are, what would you say are the top three leadership principles? You may not be, you may not be doing them consciously. You may, not, you may not have sat down to say, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. But what would you say are these principles that you, you, you take to work every day and that you, your staff see you apply on a daily basis? Right. What, would you, what would you say are the top three principles for you? Okay. Well, number one is, I don't know if this is a principle, having good people around you, very important. You know, back home, the idea of having mentors is not really a thing. Mm. We just know that we have, you know, a dad that is connected. We have an uncle that's connected. We have <laughs> someone in the family that's connected. We have this professor. But but we're not intentional about it, about mentorship, mm. right? And I cannot stress this enough. Remember when you asked me about how I overcame some of these challenges? One of the ways I overcame the challenge was having good people in my life. And I mean people that were older in terms of experience and in terms of qualifications. And most importantly, people that could see 10, 15 years ahead of me and people that believed in me more than I believed in myself. Mm. Mrs. Smith believed in me more than I believed in myself. Mm. My oldest brother, Joe, believes in me. I also have a mentor, Mr. Rondo, believed in me. So the few times my instinct wanted me to say no, right? For instance, when the opportunity to buy the firm came about, I thought it was a crazy idea. I, I should even think about it. <laughs> How do you go from, you know, from being an associate and all I of this, you have all of this. I know. So every part of me wanted to say no to that proposal until I went to these three people. And to them, it was a no-brainer, and I was shocked. You know, so a few minutes into the conversation, they were like, okay, so how do we go about the funding? How, you know, they went into how to make it happen instead of even, even telling me whether it was worth it or not. And then I sat back and I, you know, more or less recalculated my, 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 my resistance and, and eventually went for it. And one of the best decisions I ever made. So having good people in your life is very, very important and, and have a structured um, relationship with them, not just whenever you remember them, you call them, right? What I was doing is every week I would check in on them. This is what I'm doing. Even before I spoke with you, I had an hour chat with my, one of my mentors and we talked about it. some challenge that came up in the firm about, about an employee. And he gave me some insights. I'm going to implement the insights sometime this week. So you have this solid um, support group behind you decisions become easier and the things that you call challenges may not even be challenges anymore after you've spoken to them mm. that is one number two bring humanity into anything that you do okay humanity is very, very critical um when i took over the firm instead of paying myself for the first year i gave everybody a raise even when even though i wasn't sure what the heck i was doing mm. <laughs> i wasn't even sure whether this gesture or this um, firm would be a profitable proposition in a year or two, but I gave everybody a raise. I made them feel that this is a new beginning. 
um, my success is their success. If the firm is doing well, they will do well. If the firm gets better, they will do better. That changed the culture right away. They started seeing, you know, some growth. They started seeing some future in the firm. And productivity was all-time high. Mm. And each time everybody, everybody was pulling me around, Charles, there's a way we can do this better. Mm. Uh, something came up the other day, and we're talking about how we can you know, optimize this process. So bring humanity in anything you do. You know, pride, arrogance has no place in, in running an organization because at the end of the day, if the people that work for you don't like you or don't like your personality, it's going to be very, very hard for them to put in their best, hmm. right? And then um, finally, focus on being better, right? I've seen a lot of people, if anything happens to them at the workplace, they blame it on, on the color of their skin. Or blame it on, on the tone of their voice or where they come mm. from. While in fact they actually need to work on certain mm. things, they want they need to work on their craft. So I keep telling people all the time that in as much as racism is as you know is very very real, especially institutional uh, systemic racism, we can still overcome all of that by being better in what we do. And many, my first few years into practice was all about learning, spending um, significant amount of time at work, improving my craft. Eventually, people started paying attention, right? People started leaving Google reviews. Uh, I'm one of the top rated in Calgary. And we started getting awards on practice areas like employment law, litigation, um, civil litigation. It, business, which other one, you know, because people started paying attention to the work that we're doing, the quality of, of service that we're providing. So in as much as I was motivating the staff, motivating my, my lawyers, we were also spending time developing our craft and learning the law, getting better in, 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 in what we do. And most importantly, focusing on helping people, right? Instead of just, you know, seeing people as fire numbers, focus on helping them. You help someone, you get them from point A to point B, they become your unpaid agents. They do speak highly of you. They recommend you to their family and, and friends. And that is how you build. So some of them are not typically the principles, but these are the things I've been doing consciously, unconsciously, and you know what you see today. I mean, many people they focus on the glory and not the story. Absolutely. What you see today is the the outcome or the consequence or the result of years of seven days a week, Christmas Day, Easter Day, statutory holidays, grinding day and night, getting better in in, in what we do. When I speak with small business owners, sometimes I try to, I try to get them to, you know, put together a training for their for their staff. And a lot of times, the first thing they say is, "I, I need something that can help me make more sales." Yeah, you know, but they miss the point, and that's what you've struck on the head. So critical there. You said the first thing you did when you became when you took over the firm was you gave everybody a raise. I think it was Jim Rohn that said this. He said, "If you help people achieve what they want, they'll help you achieve what you want." You know, people don't quit organizations. They quit individuals. But see, you came in and you created a vision and you helped these people see that this, the success of this vision is actually your own success. And I guess that's why people 
started giving you much more. They put in much more than they were required to put in. And, and that's a remarkable, remarkable thing. And most small business owners don't see this. I was speaking with, um, I think, what somebody a couple of weeks ago. He, he has a, he runs a small business here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I said, the practice of your profession or whatever profession is, what, let's say, for example, the practice of law is not the same as the practice of running a business. Because you know law, you understand the law, does not mean you're going to own a successful business. And that's what you're doing here right now. Right. I mean, besides, all you have shared so far is not whether you, you are teaching your, your staff law, but you are, you are motivated. These are, these are personal development principles that you're applying on a daily basis. You're helping them see vision. You're, you're believing in themselves for them. It, because it's, it's not, I sit down every day and I'm, I, I ask myself, because I want to be able to learn beyond sharing your story. I want to be able to sit down and ask myself, what is Charles doing on a daily basis? Right. That is every morning I wake up is one award. It, it, how is this man winning these awards? I've, I've gone through several interviews. I mean, of you, whether written or audio or video. I'm like, it, it's not just happening by fluke. There's something this man is doing and I need to learn it. And besides learning, I need to share. So people see. So you, you said that when you first arrived, your first few jobs were survival jobs. Yes. That tells me that even though you were at that level, you had the focus for what you wanted to do. Can you please share with us? Because sometimes when people come here and, and they, they, they get sucked into this cycle of the survival job, they feel that there's almost no other way out. Maybe you, you want to sh- shed some light on that. For me. Absolutely. Yeah, focus is very, very important. I think you've, you've um, carefully and smartly referenced it. You can't just go into it and, and say, let's see what happens, right? I, I told myself I was going to hustle for six months and I will stay at home for another six months to, to write the exams. And that's exactly what I did. That way, when you have a, when you have a goal set out, the challenges of meeting that goal become more manageable because you know that this is temporary, right? So I did everything, everything you can think of. I worked in superstore, I worked in restaurants, I worked as a cook, I helped um, even all the markings on the road, I did that, I did moving houses, I did construction outside, inside, I helped dig holes, I did everything, I did everything. Um, Then when I hit my six months mark, I stayed home, prepared for the exams. Again, I did not try to hustle while I'm well, I was trying to prepare the exams because to me the exams were very important, not just for those exams, but for me to understand the legal system in Canada. I thought it was a very sensitive challenge for me to overcome, not just passing the exam. I mean, it's the fifty percent pass mark. I, I didn't have any issues with do, doing that, but I needed to go above and beyond the textbooks that were recommended to understand the legal system. Because at the end of the day, I'll be a lawyer here. And life actually be, would begin for me after those exams. Mm. It would end at those exams. Another mistake many people make is they start these survival jobs and then they buy a car of $40,000. Mm. Because the credit is there, right? Because you can put down $2,000 and all of a sudden you're driving a Mercedes, mm. right? Or you're four months into the survival job, you buy a house because some some advisor or whatever has told mm. you that it can actually put down zero payment. So when you make those commitments, you become less flexible, mm. right? 
it become less flexible. A wise man once told me that in every decision you make, leave some wiggle room, create an exit plan so that if it doesn't work out, you have an exit plan through the back door. You buy a house of $400,000 or $300,000 or you buy a car of $30,000 while you're still in survival jobs and this is not your goal, you get stuck because you cannot afford to skip work two times in a, in a week for you to meet or for you to meet your debt obligations, right? So I when I hustled for six months, I could have paid maybe $2,000 for a car of $15,000, right? Hmm. But I didn't. I went to Kijiji. I bought a car of 1,005. As long as it could take me from point A to point B, that's what that mattered to me. No other commitments. You know, I bought my first home after I took over the firm when I knew that, okay, there is a future and, and, and all of that. And that was in, that was in 20, you know, 2017. And, you know, talking about staying focused, since then I probably bought about over 10, 10 properties since then. Because I could now, but before when things hadn't really formalized, if I had made the mistake of making those commitments, I would have been stuck in the rubble. And then you keep telling yourself, okay, I'm going to challenge the exam the following summer when I have paid down X amount of dollars. Before you know it, you're caught in that cycle and it becomes very difficult to make some very, um, important sacrifices to really get ahead, including focusing on your qualifications, focusing on your licensing and, and stuff like that. You know, this this thing you just shared now, I've never heard it anywhere. And, and that's why I felt that the meat of this, this story would never come out until somebody who has been through the trenches interviews you. Like What I mean by that is, except an immigrant interviews you, they may not know the right questions. Because I've listened to a lot of your interviews and I've never heard this. Right. And even the fact that you shared it down, even me as an individual, as an immigrant, I've never thought this way. Right. Because the first thing I would have said to myself was, okay, I'm in a survival job. I can afford the, tooth, the, the down payment. And of course, I'm working every week. I mean, I'm being paid almost every week or every two weeks. I can afford to make, so why not just buy it? And this is the absolute gem you just revealed here right now. Right. When I was thinking about the questions I was going to be asking, I wanted to get down because people that are listening want to know how, how, how. On your typical day, what, what, would your, what would your typical morning routine, when I say morning, not necessarily only morning, what, what's your typical day like? Because um, going back to the fact, I've been trying to, to, to drill you to tell us, you know, what your thought process has been. What are your principles, leadership principles on a typical day? What do you, what's your, what's your day set out like? I know you're extremely busy, right. but there are certain things that you do to refocus, mm -hmm. to put things in perspective, and then to start your day, you know, with the mindset of ending that day fulfilled. What, what are some of those, what's, the, what it, what's a typical day like for you? Right. Well, a typical day, I have crazy days, I'll tell you that, to be honest, <laughs> You know, like like my entire week next week is all booked. I'm probably going to be here to midnight today because I have a trial tomorrow. So it's very challenging. Um, more so because of the... I've made a decision to ensure that I give back as much as I can because I'm a product, I'm a beneficiary of people, of people's generosity. From, you know, being the seventh in the family 
being born into an adult family or my siblings looking after me to come in here and then my mentors and all that. I feel that given this opportunity that I've been given, I must give back as much as I can. So at any given time in my office, I have at least four students in the firm, you know, from different schools. You know, they'll be here two months, they're gone, another set will come. At the same time, I have younger associates. My, my plan, my model, if you look at my firm, my performance profile is to invest in younger associates. I am the, not in terms of age, but I am the, the most experienced lawyer in the firm. And I'm, I'm barely six, six years into practice, you know, but I'm the most experienced in the firm. I have eight other lawyers that are, you know, either called in 2020 or called in 2019 or so 18 or 17. And I make sure that I review every work that they are doing. It's a lot on me because that means I, I, I know over 200 or 300 files that everybody's working. I know exactly what's going on at any given time. I could easily say, you know what, do whatever you want, send to the clients, if there are mistakes, that's, up, that's on you. But I don't do that. So mentorship is huge. Because of that, my typical day is crazy because I have to have my consultations um, at least five or seven a day. At the same time, I'm mentoring um, the rest of the lawyers and, and looking over their work. So I start with, of course, I'm, I'm a Christian. I start with prayer and I look at my calendar for the day and then motivate myself. But the most important motivation for me is when a client um, you know, gets back to us and tells us how we have helped them for, you know, go from a very dark, difficult situation to, you know, to, to, to light, right? And to me, that is motivation. I, I see my profession as a privilege uh, in the sense that you have individuals that, that have made mistakes, individuals that are buying their property for the first time, going through divorce after 20 years of marriage, being fired after 40 years of employment, trusting you completely to help them out, right? That means you must know what you're talking about because these people are depending on you completely. You must know what you're talking about. And seeing them, you know, get through those experiences with the least amount of expense and, and, and you know, that to me is in, in itself motivation. So... Again, my days are dependent on what is on my calendar. Sometimes I have trials, sometimes I have just meetings, sometimes I just have to, you know, have to attend negotiation meetings. Again, each file is different and each client must be given the attention that they deserve. It's been it's it's been um <laughs> it's an amazing speaking with you. Before I before I let you I know your time is is really, really, really oh. fast stretch, but before I let you go, um I, you know, going through some of the, going through some of the, the 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 posts I've seen on your timelines and some of the things I've listened to. Most people see have commented on the fact that you are, you are someone who is vitally involved in the community and and you believe in you know in giving back. I, I want I want you to just share with us what what's your motivation for doing you know for being vitally that vitally involved. Right. I, I was telling someone a few days ago that. If any award starts with the Nigerian born, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> my day is mad, right? Wow. <laughs> my day is mad. And each of those awards belongs to everyone. They don't belong yeah. to me, right? It belongs to everyone. 
is is the, the validation from these recognitions. The validation is 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 beyond me, right? You're validating the, the trite fact that it doesn't matter where people come from. It doesn't matter the heritage, education, all that. If if they focus on the right things, they will actually succeed. Um, it validates the fact that if as a professional, you are spending time on getting better in what you do and being able to help people, you are not going to go hungry. Regardless of your, your accent, you're not going to go hungry. People will come back again and again and again and again and, and take advantage of your services. So being a part of the community is the least I can do to inspire others, right? I have a niece who just turned 18 and she's my clerk in the office, right? Now, when she starts on university, being a lawyer is gonna be the least of the things that, you know, she wants to aspire to be. She's gonna to want to be more because she's seen her uncle do this and, and it's no big deal. Mm -hmm. So being a part of the community is the least I can do to inspire, even if it's one person, that this is possible because coming here, I heard a lot of negativity. You know, mm -hmm. I remember some, uh, he probably doesn't remember this, one day, maybe I might remind him. <laughs> Charles, they won't bother being a lawyer here. A judge will not understand your accent. That's what he told me. And that kind of stuck with, stuck with me a little bit. At the same time, I remember my, my sister-in-law, my brother's wife, telling me one day, I think we're driving in downtown, when I came in the very first time, and she saw a law firm with a name on it. And she said... Chibike is my Igbo name. I said, Chibike, you know, someday your name could be actually on a law firm. Mm. I, thought it was, I thought she was just, you know, playing around. But I still remember that, right? Um, then imagine when people come here. I get a lot of messages, especially from lawyers trying to come into the country. I've, I, I've, I've received a message from someone that told me that she came to Canada because of me. Mm. She, she, she left the UK to come because of my story. When you get those messages, you realize that what is happening in my life is, is beyond me. I'm, I'm just a steward for this privilege. I'm just a steward for the recognition. And I hope any, anybody listening to this uh, understands that if you're coming here or if you're already here, and you're getting all of this negativity that you can't do this, you can't do that, is a lie. The, the greatest enemy is fear. And I was able to overcome that fear because I had good people around me. And then all of a sudden, doors started opening because I quickly realized that I could actually set my set my heart and my mind to a certain goal, and I go for it. And finally, Sam, this is not going to happen on a bed of roses, mm. just to be very clear. True, true. I haven't stopped hustling. In fact, the hustle has increased, mm. you know? The hustle has increased. So it might look all bluesy and, and, and flamboyant from the outside. But the reality is I'm the first in the office. I'm the last to leave every day, you know, Saturdays, Sundays. And people ask me, how about work-life balance? Work-life balance is great, but it's, it's, a, it's a goal. It's, it's something that you aspire you know, um, Kobe Bryant said, you know, you rest at the end, right? Mm -hmm. So it's something that you aspire to, to achieve down the road. But if you're looking to build an empire or looking to build uh, Rome, you're not going to 
do it working at five Monday to Friday. Mm. It's not going to happen that way. You have to. Are you are you willing to go above and beyond consistently? Not do it for six months and then take a break for six months. You have <laughs> to do it consistently, and that is how you have sustainable success. The moment to stop, then things start falling apart. Interesting. I mean, having listened to you say this this very last bit now. Um, when I started my well, I call it my career. When when I started working out of straight out of university, I um I worked with this this man. It's a small small um advertising firm in Lagos, and the exact way you describe it, being the first man in, last man out. That's that's the exact lifestyle this man had. His name is Utibe Okim. Let me just say it here so I, I can also give give honor to whom honor is due. I learned everything about entrepreneurship from him. He maybe he probably didn't know I was watching him that closely, but. I watched him and I learned from him and I learned his lifestyle. He, he, the same thing, first man in, last man out, seven days a week, whether, regardless of whatever holiday, holiday, holiday it is. And, and that's the same thing you have, you have just shared here. And you, some of the things you also mentioned was having good people around you. When I first came, um, the, I think maybe probably the first couple of weeks, we had this small gathering here in Toronto, a group of immigrants that arrived about the same time. And then there was this man that came to speak to us. He had been here much longer and much longer than we had, we had, we had. And, you know, he mentioned he, some of the things you stated about, you know, not, not essentially what he was trying to say is don't put your, your hopes too high because again, you're black, you have an accent. People coming here for the, I mean, arriving here in a new country, new society, and you hear somebody that has been here much longer than you tell you that, that would almost automatically cap your imagination. Absolutely. You know, and, and I hear you here sitting down now telling me that your success has largely been you having the right people, the right network, people believing in you much more than you believed in yourself. And, and that's one of the, the lessons you have shared with us here. And, and, and I'm absolutely taking this with me. And hopefully everyone listening to you, you know, recognizes that same fact. You also talked about mentorship being a great deal because back from where we come from Nigeria, it's not something that's part of our developmental process, but we know in, 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 in societies around here, that's part of their growth, their growth process. You know, we want to go get into the, the blue chip companies, the, the bell, the CIBC, the, all of these places. And, but they have, they've taken mentorship seriously. Right. I interviewed someone on my show, his name is Adishope, some weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He was recognized as RBC, one of RBC's top 25 Canadians, Canadian immigrants. And he also does some of the things that you do. He has a thriving practice. He, he has a mentorship um, program that he takes people through. And he mentioned that a lot of challenges is because he offers these things for free, we don't value them. Right. You know, and that's that's also a big no-no for for people that are, are striving striving to achieve success. Um, what would be some of your advice? Because I know you'll probably have all of those things, and that's why you you have students coming, you know, coming in, applicant students coming into your into your establishment every now and then. What would be your advice in cases like this? Right. Well, a few things. Number one, broaden your circle. Okay. Many people they come to Canada and they want to stick around. The, the typical Nigerian circle. There's nothing wrong with that, but you gotta go outside of that circle. Join mentorship organizations. Um, get a mentor that's outside of your circle. Join um, volunteering organizations that will take you outside of your circle. 
right? You have to break that bond of sticking around people that talk like you, people that look like you, and all of that. You you get in that bubble, you can't you can't really get ahead. Because of the limit or the limitations that that are associated with our bubble, you got to get out, get outside of the bubble. Still maintain your tribal um, support, network, and affiliation, but go outside of it as much as you can and have a mentor from a different, a different race or whatever it is. Because that's how you can access other communities and understand how things are done. Um, secondly, and this would be for maybe entrepreneurs, uh, immigrant entrepreneurs that want to succeed you cannot succeed if you're thinking small right you can't succeed if you're thinking small when i took over the firm i mean mr smith is a traditional old white guy he didn't care about internet and branding probably had a one page internet and his face was on the top right corner dangling and then the yeah practice area listed with bullet points he didn't care right i spent at least 30 grand Mm. on just the website yeah. you know my friends thought i was crazy at spending so much on on visibility but i i knew what i was doing i didn't want to do the 1005 you know flat rate no offense because you know you know help you with it and then put one or two things together sometimes some of these developers that always solicit business they may not even put the english or the grammar together very well for you sure sure but I went with a top tier um, web design firm in Canada that, that catered specifically to lawyers and spent so much. Once the website was built, then traffic started flowing in hmm. and people started paying attention. Then we started getting rating from top employment lawyers, top, top these lawyers. Google reviews are coming in. And then the, the benefits became exponential. Just because of that deposit or that investment of, of 30 grand, right? Again, when I joined the firm, we're just a one lawyer firm. Now there's about 10 lawyers in the firm. Some other person might be, why are you paying you know, lawyers so much amount of money? Why don't you just do the work in yourself or just have two lawyers? Again, thinking big. You're looking to make a statement in the, in the, in the industry, make a statement in, in the city. You're not going to do that with one lawyer. You're not going to do that with two lawyers invest in many ways. It's not cost money, but these people are bringing in, in talent and they're helping you build. So thinking big is very important. It might be risky, but if you don't risk big, you're not going to win big. Amazing. Thank you so very much, Barish. It's been an honor once again having you, you know, eating into your time and, you know, graciously having you share some of these things with us and, you know, letting us know that, like you said, it's not only a bed of roses, but it's, it's, it's hard work. Thank you so very much. A greatly honored to have you. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. I keep on keep on sharing our story and inspiring others. Listen. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for all the support. Welcome. Take care. This is the League of Icons. Mind your mind. Be your focus and play by a different set of rules.